Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. I'm Dacia Coffee. As a chief marketing officer, speaker, author, copywriter, and three-time entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about influence and impact in the business world. So I want to share with you what I've learned about how to be heard, be seen, and be successful, and introduce you to the people I've met along the way who learned how to unlock their potential. Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. Today, we were joined by Jeremy Julian, the Chief Revenue Officer at Custom Business Solutions. Now, there are two reasons why this is a super fun episode. First off, they are in restaurant technology, so you're going to hear some pretty cool behind-the-scenes stories about what it takes for these amazing brands to be your favorite go-to dining options. But then the second part is that Jeremy is astonishing at his boldness to walk in love and honesty with people in the business world. And that even includes in some pretty messy situations, which he openly and honestly shares with us. You're really going to have a lot of fun on this. So let's go ahead and dive in. Jeremy Julian, welcome to Corporate Caffeine. It, we have been waiting for months <laughs> I was and months. Say, for it's this. only been months that we've rescheduled <laughs> between yours and my schedule. It's been, but it's it's awesome to see you again. Yes, and it's very cool to have a podcast star on our podcast. So maybe we're going to get a little bit of that halo effect in person. <laughs> I know, not on Zoom or Streamyard. It's like, oh, here in live. Ex- exactly. So. Since I brought up your podcast, which is not the reason I invited you on, but tell everybody a little bit about your podcast and kind of what you do and your background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Julian, I'm the CRO. New new title for me as of uh, a couple of months ago of uh, Custom Business Solutions. We do restaurant technology. That's what we do professionally. And uh, about three years ago, I started a podcast because I would continue to talk about certain things that were going on within the restaurant industry. And I would have to repeat myself five to 25 times with my own team. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to put a mic on and start to record it so that I can help you know, scale what, what the messages that I had out there. And it's really kind of taken on a life of its own um, fortuitous that would hit as it related to the growth of the podcast because it start it started right before COVID and then throughout COVID it, it, you know, got a life of its own and kind of, kind of figured it out. And now I get to post an article or I mean, post a uh, podcast every week and just share the world of restaurant technology and the cool things that are happening. Well, so it started off internally, basically, getting your message across to the team. You got tired of repeating yourself. I got tired of repeating myself. And then other people picked up on it. Other people picked up on it and they're like, you got to talk to this person because I would talk to customers or I talked to vendors about things that were going on in the world of restaurant technology. And, or I'd go to these trade shows and it would turn into these conversations. And how do you get that message out other than to amplify your voice? And so I would, what are the best practices for labor management? What are some of the ways that you're going to, you're going to increase your four wall economics is like two of my favorites Four wall economics being, you know, how do you increase the sales with the same square footage? So those are types of things that I would talk about with my own team because I wanted them to educate our, our own customers about it. So I would tell them about it. I started recording them and posted them online and people picked up on them and then they're like, hey, I want to learn about that. And then it turned into different conversations wow. with vendors and partners and customers. And There are so many things I love about this because one of the things the audience doesn't know is that this is so organic and natural to you, so it's like who you are too, because you and Art, the founder of CBS, I mean, you guys love to build relationships. You really know the industry. I mean, like... I mean, you've seen so many brands grow and like these leaders grow. So it's the coolest thing ever that your natural curiosity in wanting mm-hmm. to share that and, you know, really see, you know, like the seeds that you've watched grow in people turned into this. And then, oh my gosh, you got to narrate 
Yeah. In one of the most predominantly impacted industries that everybody cared about. Yep. Oh my God. And now you're getting to narrate the AI journey and how that's changing the industry. I mean, this is just freaking cool. <laughs> well, it is pretty fun. And I mean, it was a, it's been a fun journey because it truly started as an education piece, but I've lived my entire life um, serving the restaurant industry. Literally since I was a little kid, you talked about our, my, my dad who happens to have founded the company. Since I, I mean, I've got a picture and you've probably seen it before of me programming a cash register at like six or seven years old. And I was programming cash registers at six or seven years old on my kitchen counter um, with my dad. And so I've watched and have been passionate about making sure that restaurants can succeed and become a, a meeting place. So many of my memories as a child are around food and around a table with people that I love. So I'm going to try and do as much as I can to give back to that industry that's given so much to me and my family and given me a, an opportunity to do the things that I get to do. And so how do I give back? I have competitors on, you know, we sell point of sale, but I've had competitors on. I've had people that are in adjacent industries on because at the end of the day, I think that all ships in the harbor rise together. You know, that's kind of a cliche saying, but at the same time, when all of us get better, the entire industry gets better. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking to do is elevate that as much as I can. I love it. So, so your dad started this business in what year? 1987, 86. And how did he get into this? And what was that landscape look like? I mean, technology back then, we didn't even have cell phones. There was no internet. <laughs> I'm thinking going, You're right. wait a minute, have I even seen a <laughs> microwave oven? What did technology oven? look like? Yeah, <laughs> and you're over there in the food industry programming registers. I mean, so early <laughs> pioneer to say the least. Yeah. It went from uh, the, the numbers on the register, like at a gas station, yep. to... And we have some old NCR brassies is what they call them, where the little numbers popped up like a little. <laughs> yeah. We have a couple of those. I bought I bought my dad one for, for Christmas one year off yeah. of eBay or something. Those things are really heavy and really hard to ship. Let me just tell you. <laughs> yeah, probably more expensive to ship it than it was, than to, it was to buy it. Totally. But, um, but um, we started really with electronic cash registers. And so I would program them. And we served all industries, furniture stores to... Um, gas stations to, we had the prison next to our house, which was awesome. Um, those were really fun service calls too. You name it. Um, you name it. We, we served every industry, but he really enjoyed the food service aspect of it. Cause every time he went into a liquor store, it's not like they're going to hand you a bottle of Jack Daniels and tell you to leave. But every time you go into a restaurant to do a service call, they want to feed you. And so it turned yeah. into the super social and you talk about art and I being pretty social guys. And so he really got passionate about that. And so at some point in the early 90s, we kind of sold off all of our other business to a friend of ours that served those other industries right. and focused primarily on, on restaurants. Went from electronic cash registers to these small four inch green screens or orange screens with programmable buttons that had little keycaps. And my high school, I mean, my high school, my grade school, my elementary school um, vacations were spent literally highlighting with a yellow and orange highlighter, the little pieces of paper that went inside of the keycaps yeah. so that you knew that these buttons were, were <laughs> the, the burrito versus the taco on these items that were there. Ultimately turned into touchscreen computers later that now now you can do just about everything out of your pocket. But back then, that was what it was. I, I worked at a Burger King in high school. McDonald's. And McDonald's <laughs> yep. and had to do the drive through And I remember those Me buttons too. with the color-coded <laughs> and uh -huh. all the extra large, large, blah, 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 to make things quicker and easier. Yep. That's no, absolutely. Awesome. And so that's, I mean, literally, I, I remember every summer... Um, every summer, every holiday, it was like, you know what, we're going in and we're taking registers out of the boxes. We're cutting keycaps. Wow. We're highlighting things on, you know, 
reamed paper that had the dots and the lines on it. Like this is back in the in the you know early eighties. This is what we did. Wow. Um, you talked about going into these restaurants and getting to know these people and them feeding you. I worked for Anheuser Busch in my early twenties and did draft sales. So okay. I got to know the owners or the the people who ran the bar itself. Uh-huh. And and the relationships are priceless. I, I loved it. I loved yeah. the only reason I got out of it was for money. Um I had a family and I was like, all right, I gotta well, and your it. liver probably hurt pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it some damage. But it was worth, you know, a few years off the back end, pay it up front. It was an investment of some sort. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my best friend worked for Anheuser Bush, and he told me some stories oh. of some stuff that uh, y'all used to do. And I did have a fraternity brother that uh, family worked for Anheuser Bush, so we always used to get the uh, <laughs> the aged, aged Bud Light back in college. That was bad. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. They, they would. Guard those dumpsters like nobody's business yeah. with it, that aged out. Yeah, beer. there's some stories there. That's a whole different <laughs> podcast. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Absolutely. But but I think to your point, I mean, the, the second largest employer in the United States is the restaurant industry behind the U.S. government. So I don't know if you guys Did are aware not? of that, but but 700,000, estimated 700,000 food service venues in the United States. Wow. So the market is second, you know, second largest employer in the United States second only to the U.S. government or wow. state government. So you think about that, it impacts every aspect of our life, which is why when you think about COVID and, and you know, all the restrictions they put in so many different states, how it impacted the ways that we go about things. The other thing I would say that is also an interesting fact that I like to share with people is, is just before COVID in 2019 was the first year in recorded history that food service purchases at a restaurant eclipsed household food service purchases from a grocery store for the first time ever. Wow. So you think about that, the amount of spend in 2019 at a restaurant was greater than that of at a grocery store by family on average. So now what does that mean to the way that we are engaging in life? Obviously it has impacted that over the last few years, but 2022 statistics just came out and it again eclipsed restaurant spend and again eclipsed grocery stores. Unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. helps out with that. You know, where it's like, I don't even have to go out. I can just order it. Yep. Wow. That is so cool. Well, and it's funny because talk about it being a fabric of our lives. Like, of course I knew that, but I had no idea the scale Mm -hmm. with which you're describing, you know, like it was more narrative, you know, first jobs and first date and, you know, significant milestones. And I mean, we literally pick our restaurants based on our regular restaurants based on whether or not they recognize us Yep. because we want to root for the people that care about us and like really value us. And I mean, it feels so good to know our server and know the owner and know the manager. And so, yeah, it's so neat. We call that the cheers effect. I mean, uh, again, many of our listeners probably aren't old enough to have remembered cheers, but I know that we've probably (laughs) seen cheers when you walk in, but that's, that is at the end of the day, almost every single person that I work with within the restaurant industry got into the industry for hospitality to Build a place at their own table, but now put it out to two, three, four hundred guests a night. How do they do that? They bring people into their home. It's a very personal experience, and it crosses cultures. It is across the world that this is the way that people interact. And a lot of events happen around food and around a restaurant, you know, or some food, some form of prepared food service venue. For sure. So 
technology nowadays impacts so much about the customer experience and their ability to steward that important role they play in the community. Probably way more than people realize though. So what are some things that you think people would be shocked by in regards to the detail that technology takes care of or the detail that these restaurant owners and you know, I mean, even chains are really trying to be intentional about and where they use technology. Well, I'm going to take a step back for a second to to say, I think that people interact with brands in restaurants in multiple ways. Um, I know you guys as a family, and I, I recognize when the boys were growing up, going out to eat, there was two different types. It was, I'm on my way home from baseball practice, and I need food, and I need sustenance, and I need it quick, and I need it Correct, because if I get mustard on my kid's burger, he's not going to eat it and my night is going to be ruined, right? So it's accuracy, it's speed, and I'm interacting with a brand because I know that the expectation is going to be able to be met. So that's one type of experience. And then the second type of experience is experiential. And so each brand has to evaluate how do they go to the market and what type of consumer they're, they're, they're looking to serve in order to choose those pieces of technology. So I would say that to, to begin with, because if I walked into a Ruth Chris and they had this big, bright iPad staring me in the face and they're trying to get me out the door quick, it's going to ruin my guest experience. Right. But I'm okay with it when I'm at an Applebee's or a Chili's because I'm probably not looking to take my wife there for her anniversary, if that makes sense. Right. And so each guest experience is going to be different based on that. The other thing I would say about restaurant technology that people need to understand is is, is Amazon and Apple and Google have spent billions of dollars to make it easy to do commerce with them. You look at 700,000 restaurants across the ecosphere, there's no one brand save McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway that have more than 10,000 stores. So if you look at that, there's a lot of mom and pop operators. There's a lot of stores that have 10, 15, 20 stores. They don't have the budgets of a Starbucks. No. Everybody wants Starbucks easy, but it takes investment and it takes time and it's getting there, but it's not there today. And so consumer behaviors um, often drive the, the behavior that the restaurant brand needs to consider. And so it's not nearly as easy as just, oh, let's just go on an app and I can turn on the app and allow me to order food and it's going to prepare it on time, which is why oftentimes we think that it's so easy. But at the end of the day, the restaurants are killing themselves to make it happen. I'm going to say one last piece. Average, the average profitability for a restaurant in the United States is less than 7%. Holy cow. As a brand. So you think about the restaurant that you and I went to, the, the three of us went to dinner with my wife, you know, last year. Mm -hmm. that, that restaurant might, might do a million and a half dollars a year. Wow. So you think about 7% or less goes to profitability Ooh. of that restaurant. So people think, oh, this place is always busy. Why aren't they just killing it? Between rent, labor cost, food cost, management cost, electricity, they have very, very, very thin margins. So oh, they, yeah. oftentimes they do it for the love of the customer and the love of the experience. It's not because they're just making it filthy rich in these places. Have to. Um, you know, I was going <laughs> to bring up amazing. the net profit statistic I heard on Starbucks. But to go back to that, um, to be an investor outside the restaurant business, if you told me, hey, you know, uh, a lot of these fail and you might get a 7% return, I'd be like, I'm out. I don't care what it is. <laughs> yes. I've got other places to put my money. Why would yeah. I do that? Yep. It's crazy. What are you going to sell me on here? Um, but to go back to the net profit, I heard of Star Starbucks, their business model at the beginning, if they made 150 grand on each store, it was successful. Yep. 
and we're just going to keep on popping them up. Hey, yep. we're, we're opening it up, IPO, here we go, see how many shareholders we can have invest in this, and let's roll with it. Do you, and you know how much it costs because you've been in the business to rent. Hardly nobody buys anymore, you know, buys yep. a storefront. They can't afford the over uh, the capital to do so. It's crazy the industry is. But when you find a place you love, oh, there's yep. nothing like it. There's yeah. nothing like taking your family somewhere where you know you can relax and you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, you know, you said driving through the drive through Hey, we got to feed the kids, feed them now. I remember those days, but it was also the days that we got, I'd get back from town on a Wednesday night and we're like, hey, let's go to that Buffalo Wild Wings up the corner. It's right up the street. The kids are already entertained. We know what we're eating. We know what they're eating before they walk in and we can sit down and relax. (laughs) Yep. And and that was a big deal. It got us, uh, kept from pulling our hair out uh, many a times. It's raining outside. We can't send them outside. What are we going to (laughs) do? For sure. For sure. Well, and I think it's, I just think it's one of those things that this is a misnomer because they see them being busy, mm-hmm. but oftentimes your food cost is somewhere close to 35 or 40% in some of these brands. Yeah. And then you got labor costs. And again, um, you guys know I moved from California, which is significantly higher labor costs, but even, even with that, even here in Texas where we're at, like it's, it's, it is a <laughs> real and present danger because you have to work them a minimum amount of time. There's often times that they're not busy. They really are manufacturing plants. They're manufacturing food. Right. Um, but nobody understands that, which is truly why I love what I get to do, because I can come in and see tangible results within a business when they weren't using technology. Take something like you, you alluded to DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats just a few minutes ago. You guys have all been into a restaurant and seen the 75 tablets that are sitting on the counter. You've all been staring at a cashier and she hears this dinging and you know she's not really paying a whole lot of attention to you because the DoorDash order's buzzing and she's got to get that, but she's got to focus on you. Simply integrating that into the point of sale real time without having them have to manage seven different devices creates levels of efficiency that don't exist unless you have that integration. So I think about those kind of things and then I watch when I go into these brands and I watch them be able to go to their kids' soccer games because they're not having to worry about the restaurant. That's what brings me joy. That's what that's truly what makes me wake up in the morning and, and work as hard as I do to try and solve problems for these restaurant operators. Oh, so in your it. business and you've dealt with the uh, changing in technology, what do you look for in the next technology? And do you, do you just consult and go in and implement these technologies or do you try to develop them on the side? I mean, what's that? Look a like? little bit of both. Um, a little bit of both. So I, <clears throat> we do QBRs within our business. So if you're not familiar with the QBR quarterly business review, where we sit down with our key stakeholders within the customers that we work with. And we've got a, a, a methodology that we go, go through to understand what are their biggest business challenges? What my favorite thing to ask, I was with a prospect um, earlier this week at dinner and I, and I said, I said, Chris, tell me what is it? What keeps you up at night? What are the things that really make you crazy? And, you know, he gave me a list of two or three things. The next two days, I was out searching for those things at the trade show so that I could deliver a solution to him. That may be something that we created. It may be something that we found for him on his behalf. I'll give you another example. Last summer, I was, um, I was with a, one of our large chains, a little over 200 units, casual dining chain. And I said, I said give me, you know, I'm sitting with the CEO and the uh, COO. I said, you know, Greg and Lon, tell me, tell me what's, what keeps you up at night? What, what's your biggest pain point? They said over 70% of our problems relate to food quality going out the door wrong. 
When we look at complaints, we look at the statistics, wow. we go, you and I were just talking about a, a nationally recognized fast casual brand just before we got on, on the air. And you said, I won't go to that store because of the food quality. When it comes, it doesn't have the right stuff that I ordered online, right? So with that, I've been interviewing different AI companies that have a computer vision to look at the, the, line, the make line where you're making that food to make sure that you didn't put mustard on there, but you did put mayonnaise because that was what was on the kitchen screen to tell them that. So I've been working with two different AI and machine learning companies to solve that problem for this 200 unit chain. Because now how sticky can I be because I've solved that problem for them. They're going to trust us forever when yeah. I can solve that problem. Well, and that just speaks to how much you really love this industry and that it's not like, oh, that's not my problem. Move on. I've got something else to sell versus how do I make these people successful? And so they can find more joy in their work, which is so cool, especially since they give so much joy to the people that visit their establishments. I mean, that's really significant. I never thought about how much it would take from you. You know, and all of us as business you know, leaders understand how intense that can be. But man, when you are in a physical location with all of that complexity, yeah, of course, like you're going to miss out on baseball games and stuff if you can't find a way to solve these problems at scale. That's incredible. Yeah, so we're constantly putting our ear down to look at what are the things that are paining people and then how do I solve it either through our own technology or through a partnership with somebody that's already doing it? Because I do believe that coopetition is going to continue to exist in the restaurant technology space. Mm -hmm. it, you're going to cooperate with some partners and you're going to compete with some partners, but at the end of the day, the consumer has to win or the restaurant can't stay in business. And if the restaurant can't stay in business, then they're not going to continue to be able to serve those guests, and which is why I wake up in the morning and why I'm so passionate about what I get to do. I love it. Wow. I love it. So, so cool. Okay. So obviously everybody heard that uh, you were in the business with your dad. Um, but how much does it translate when you come home, like with your four kids and your wife? Like, are they like, oh my gosh, stop talking about work? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, how much, like, are you good at separating it? Or, you know, or is it really all encompassing? Well, I do know his wife knows a bit about the business. Um, we've gone out to eat before. I remember she's her. trying to get fired. Yeah, she's been trying to get fired. For I two tried years to get now. fired. <laughs> we, need, we need a consultant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as I tell my staff yeah. all the time, we're in therapy. Leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, uh, there's two sides of it, and and. Um, uh, First and foremost, we can't go into a restaurant without my kids asking, what are they using? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And since I was there, they know, and they know every time I go into one of our customers, I'm going to ask how things have been. How's our team performing? How can I help you? How can I make things better? You know, because that happens all the time. And so they get it. And they get that sometimes I have to leave the dinner table to go help a customer with something. And I'm fine to do it because at the end of the day, without them, then they don't have the ability to go off to summer camp because I can't pay them right. <laughs> for it. <laughs> so I got to keep those customers happy. The thing that I probably find the most joy on the family side is um, twofold. I coach my team a lot like I coach my kids. And they get to oftentimes when we're driving to sporting events, listen to me coach my team members. We'll be driving out to West Texas. We'll be driving back in the day when I was in California, we'd drive to Arizona. And my kid would get to hear me for three hours talking to my team members about what it was that they were doing so that I could help them fulfill what it is that they needed to do for our customers. So they get a lot of what Art and I keep joking about. We're going to either have a therapy session or a TED Talk on the Julian Car Talks because for <laughs> me as a kid, I got them. And guess what? My four kids are getting the same thing. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We... Um, 
we're going to Colorado this summer as a family, and it's been a while since we've gone up there. We're going to drive because all of our son's girlfriends are going as well. So it's going to be a big ordeal. Mm-hmm. They've already got together behind our backs. One of them says, I'm not riding with mom and dad because we're not talking about work for 10 hours straight. We don't want to sit through one of their money talks. Yeah. <laughs> and so they are because they've sat through it. Uh-huh. They, we've gone everywhere we'd go. We drive, like you said, baseball. And they would have to hear the same thing when she was with us. I would talk to them a little bit about it. Um, I, I had my own business before she started this one. So they had they've done they've dealt with it their whole lives. And it, I think it's great for them. I, I know it's great for them because yeah. at the end of the day, I use. So it's, I'll give you guys a really life, real life example. There was a team member at this trade show that, by all accounts, should not be with our organization anymore, and mm. um, made some poor choices at the trade show. Had a really tough conversation with him. Um, one of my children did some very similar things. And I use the example of the, the, the talk I had with this team member last night at dinner where I shared with m- one of my children. I said, this is how I addressed it with this person. How would that make you feel? And it was a week after I had already had a very similar conversation with mm. my child about how they had performed. So I use these real-life examples because we are very much a family-run organization. It's, it's my father, myself, my wife. We all work together. My cousin works for us. Like... And at the same time, we're big enough that not everybody's family, not even close to any of everybody's family. But at the end of the day, I believe that my role in this world is to help people fulfill what God put them on this earth to do. And the more I can do that to make them a better husband, to make them a better wife, to make them a better dad, to make them a better mom, to make them a better coworker, it's my responsibility to do that if I have a ch- chance. And wow. so I'm going to give them that opportunity to do that. Um, and it was a really tough conversation that I had with this team member earlier this week at this yeah. trade show. And at the same time, I turned around and used it in my parenting to say, this is why I'm so hard on you, teenage kid, because I don't want you to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you a question. Did the coaching always come naturally for you in your leadership journey? Or like, when did you really start cultivating that in your style or allowing yourself to have those really intentional, you know, honest, frank conversations, you know, like what was that like for you? Um, it started, it started back in back probably 20 plus years ago when I started kind of this journey of self-development and started reading lots of different books on how to make myself the best version of myself possible. And then I had a really pivotal conversation with my dad one time. There was somebody that we were going to terminate a week later. That was going to be my question is, how was that relationship with your dad? Did but, he? Oh, but anyways. Yeah, yeah oh. I'll, I'll finish that <laughs> thought there. But, but we had somebody, and I, and I had gone to him, and I was probably in my early 20s, and I said, Dad, you know, and I don't call him Dad, I call him Art around the office, but I said, Dad, help me understand. This person really screwed up, and we know that we're going to fire them next week. Should I even waste my time? That's what I said, because mm-hmm. it's never a waste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's stick. I mean, I get chills just saying that story. It's never a waste because at the end of the day, that person's going to remember you and he's going to be a better team member for the next boss that he has to work for. Do the hard thing. Tell them that, tell them, you know, tell them that they screwed up, even though, you know, you're going to let them go next week. At the end of the day, it shouldn't have been something that I had to do, but I wanted to put that out there in a better place to make them a better team member for the next guy. Um, and so that's, that's really what, I mean, it was really pivotal for me when he said that. And I'm like, and, and I argued with him cause I was young and dumb. Like we all are in our twenties. And I said, no, 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 it's a waste of time. I've got other things that I need to do. He goes, no, 
plant the seed because he'll be better for the next person. That's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, That's huge, huge. I had to go through that recently and I could see a path that a team member was on and um, just not fulfilling his potential. And, you know, I think it was from some encouragement from you actually where it was like, I'm going to go the absolute distance with this person until there's just no more mm. steps to take anymore. But yeah, you know, I mean, and you just do, you pray that, you know, like you honored their work and that they do, you know, go on to bigger and more exciting things, you know, that they're going to fulfill, but it's well, really it's funny. It's funny that you say that. Um, and I don't mean to cut you off, but there, there's, I, I was at the straight show. I had two or three former employees come up to me and thank me for some conversation I had with them. They've been with the organization, some of them for five or 10 years. And they go, Hey, you pulled me aside and said this, that, and the other. Wow. And I went, wow. I didn't recognize the impact that I had on these people. Um, we're all role models at the end of the day. Somebody's looking at us, somebody. And what do you want to leave behind? What do you want that, you know, what do you want that wake to be? You know, boat goes through the water. There's always a wake. What do you want that wake to be? And, and the fact that I had this wake that was positive, we've got probably 40 people, maybe 50 people that still work in this industry that we started as a help desk employee as a call center employee, as a field service technician, as a guy moving boxes in the warehouse that came up, that grew within our organization, and then we didn't have a spot for them, and we sent them out into the world with skills that they didn't have when they got there to be able to go make a difference in the world for a different brand. One of my favorite stories is a, is a gentleman, and I guess I would encourage your entire listener base to believe in people, because at the end of the day, I believe people are good, and I think people want to do what's right. This kid came to us, and he had just gotten out of prison, if you've ever seen the TV show Breaking Bad, he was that kid. He grew up in a trailer. His parents were cooking meth. He didn't really have much of a chance in life, got sent to prison. And he's now a VP for a, a restaurant brand that does $350 million. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. And he started. He came in. He had zero skills in prison. He got his degree or some, some technical degree and came in and said, I'm a felon. If you'll give me a chance, I will work for you as long as you need me to. And ultimately, he, he got his wings and moved out of the organization after nine years. Wow. And I'm so proud of him. Married That's with two amazing. girls. Married with two girls. And I could tell you dozens of stories like this where we believed in somebody. And I would tell you that the more you invest in your team, the more that they're going to be able to fulfill what it is. They're never going to be you. As an owner, as an executive, they're never going to be you. They're never going to care as much as you do. They're never going to go the extra mile. They're never going to talk about it on trips to Colorado in the car because that's not them. It's not their livelihood. It's not their passion. But at the end of the day, they're going to, if you do it well, they're going to give the shirt off their back for you to be able to lay in front of the, the train to make sure that they get it done for that customer if you do it right. And they will remember it for the rest of their life if you do it well. That's amazing. That is. Uh, well, and of course, I mean, talk about double passion, you know, I mean, like for those that you serve, but then also for those that help you serve, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you can serve in both directions. I mean, that's, heck yeah, you're excited to go to work every day. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, as far as hiring people, you know, you always try to hire the right fit, go through culture indexes, this, that, and the other. I don't know how many times we sit down though and go, what's our gut tell us? Mm -hmm. What type of person are they? Yep. Like, you know, at the core, where they absorb what we have to give and what will that relationship be like? Yep. And um, I, I know there's a lot of people out there, especially people we've had on here before. Never listen be like, to your gut. No, no, don't. There's a, <laughs> a, 
yeah, a measurement for everything, and that needs to be one. And we're like, uh, yes. I think you can have both ways. Yeah, I think you, you have to have it. Both you have ways. to have both ways. I always remember um, my bosses in the past of what they had to offer, you know, the ones I didn't like as well. Batman, I'll never be that person, mm-hmm. or vice versa. And I know we're not all perfect, so they wouldn't strive to be exactly like you. But, um, man, it says a lot. That you're getting people come up to you and be like, man, thanks for that conversation. You man, I even remembered it. But I, 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 they do touch people. You know, throughout my life, it's, it, bosses have touched me. People I've worked for gave me a chance when I'm like, no one else would have. Yeah, I did an exercise it's, probably from one of the books that I read where I went back and wrote thank you letters to people that impacted me in my life. Oh, oh so big. So like a grade school soccer coach. Um, uh, hadn't talked to him in probably 25 years. I wrote this letter and I got back this four page letter from him about what it, what, what it meant to him to get that, get that back. Um, it was really cool because at the end of the day, you don't understand the wake that you, that you leave. Oftentimes there's things that you say, there's things that you do that people don't, you don't always get to see. And I think that's part of God's, you know, God's mystery is that you don't always get to see the impact that you had until, until potentially later, you know, later down the road. But um, I, I definitely want to make sure that that I leave those those positive wakes in people's lives. And sometimes that means, you know, the, your toughest coach, Kyle, was probably somebody that said something you didn't want to hear. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. It was made definitely you stronger. That, but um, made you stronger and made you made you the man that you are today, or the woman that you are today. Like this is, I mean, I've even asked you to talk with my daughter about some of these things because I want her to see what that looks like, and that that to me is part of what we get the privilege to do in leadership. And so, how do we make that positive impact so that they can? be a better husband, a better wife, a better dad, a better, you know, son, really, even for that matter, to, to heal those relationships and make it better. Yeah, the, the, the toughest coach did make me better. And at the time, I'm like, man, they're tough. But they're the ones that you didn't mesh with. And there were ones that were hard on you and you got better week after week. And looking back, I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I liked them back then. I just was like, dang, this is tough. You yeah. know, and it just makes you better. Then now, did you get this characteristic from your dad now i know you were in the business since you were a kid a little i mean a baby basically but was he the same way i mean how was that business um home life like with him growing up um owning a business uh it was hard because he was gone a lot because um uh and he knows this and he teases about having really three lives so he was married to my mom had me and my sister then he got a divorce and she had a kid that she brought into the marriage and then um, and then they had twins together. So I, I'm the oldest of five, but I grew oh, up wow. where I had more time with dad, but he was young and not very well off. And we got to play basketball and he got to go to the soccer games and all of those kind of things. Later in life, he got a little bit wiser, um, new marriage, um, new marriage, a little bit of a different value system and, and ultimately was better. I do attribute and he does as well. Um, much of who I am today to his mom, um, his mom, um, his mom, my grandmother, I got to spend summers back in New Jersey. So I was born in New Jersey and I was raised in Southern California, but he would send me back for four to six weeks to go see his mom. And she would take the summer off to spend time with my sister and I, and my grandmother, there's two things that I said to her at her surprise birthday party, probably 10 years ago, um, that really impacted me. She always had time for me as a kid. Um, and it stuck with me that says, you know what, people are just looking to be validated. People are looking to, to know that they, they matter. And she, she made me matter. Um, and then the second thing she taught me was always to learn something new. 
always to be inquisitive and to be growing. Um, you know, you want to be better tomorrow than you are today, and you want to be better today than you were yesterday. Those are the two things that stuck with me. Um, probably the most impactful thing that she ever said to me when I, you know, towards the latter part of her life, um, that still to this day makes me emotional. As she says, I said, you know, how did you know that? How did you know that you did it right? She goes, honestly, by the quality of my grandkids, Ugh. because I, I knew if I raised my kids right, that they raised their kids right, and I had enough of an impact that I could do that. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. So to me, I look at it and say, how do I raise my kids in a way that they're going to they're gonna be giving, that they're going to pour themselves out for the people that are in their lives, that they're going to be kind, that they're going to be loving, um, because at the end of the day, that's what I saw modeled ahead of me. And I hope that, and I pray that my kids will do the exact same thing for people. And I quite frankly try and ask my team members to do that. I ask my team members to give for each other, that we're in this together and they need to be giving for our clients. They need to be making decisions. Is it best for the business? Is it best for them individually? And is it best for the, for, for the customer? You know, is it good for the customer? Is it good for the company? Is it good for the employee? And I say it on all of our kind of company staff meetings, because if they're making decisions in that vein, that's good for all three of those. Yeah. And it's not just good for them, or it's not just good for the customer, or it's not just good for the company, then they're probably doing it right. Nice. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Okay. So you're touching on culture there. How do you define culture? Like how do you, you know, I mean, just, I know that's a pretty broad question, but how do you look at it and you know, obviously coaching is a really important aspect to what you bring to it, but how do you define it and how do you know it's working? Um, there's two things that I would say to that. I mean, culture as a definition is the, 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 the words and the behaviors that happen when people aren't around, that just kind of happen around the organization. Um, to be intentional with culture is you've got to drive it. And so how do you drive it and how do you make it stick? Um, how did Jesus do it? He told stories. At the end of the day, he told stories. So I like to tell stories of the success of what types of behaviors. But I don't like to tell those stories. I like to let the team tell those stories about each other. Nice. I like to let them celebrate each other. Every two weeks, we have a staff meeting, all staff. We record it. We post it where we talk about the successes that have happened within the business. And we let employees give what we call shout outs verbally to recognize their team members for the things that are um are attributes that, that meet our core values. The other thing I would say is, is in leadership, when you see something that does not fit the culture, you need to stop it immediately because it is a cancer and it will grow. And so you've got to have the hard conversation when you know that there's, there's something out there that you know should not happen. I have, I've had to apologize because I've dressed down people publicly when they treated a different team member or a customer incorrectly. We have, you know, and again, customers not, aren't always right, but they are still the customer. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, I had somebody talking about, talking about a customer poorly in the warehouse and I challenged them. And then they, well, they are this. I said, absolutely not. We do not talk like that in front of their entire staff. So I set somewhat of an example of them that says, we don't talk about customers like this. So when there are behaviors that happen that are against what your core beliefs are, you have to, have to, have to, have to address it. This conversation that I talked about earlier in the show where we talked about this employee, they missed breakfast for the second trade show in a row after they'd had a write-up and had a talking to. It's not acceptable behavior. The entire team that was there knew it. He knew it. And... I, I, it, it's going to be solved at the end of the day. 
because of it. And so you have to be willing as the leader to have the uncomfortable conversation to tell somebody, this is not acceptable. This is not how we do it around here. That has been a big journey for me. That's why Kyle's like tapping me. Uh, <laughs> However, I, tapping I think her, I'm getting much better at this. I'm like, and um, it, it, I know come, it does come up. She I've goes, well, why don't you this. address that? And I said, that's not my role. And I said, I'm not pushing it back on you, but you're the CEO. You're here to head this. I'm the CFO. It's going to be kind of weird coming from the accountant in the corner over here of um, not our culture, but the direction we want to go. And I've had to have that. I've had that role before where I've had to address things or appoint people to who manage, um, manage things for me where I'm like, okay, you have authority to do that. Pull, pull the trigger. Um, so it is a, it's a touchy situation and I don't want to, our employees to look at it as like, oh, it's a uh, family owned business and they just jump in and say what they want to whenever. It's hard to juggle that. Uh, for me. Well, but I would, I would encourage you to reconsider that. And I'm not saying this to create a disagreement between you two. Oh no, shoot. But, but I give my own staff permission to call me out when I'm not acting in accordance with what I say I want. I'll call her out. I'm sure you (laughs) will. I promise you will. And and I promise you she will. (laughs) He has no problem with that. But I would encourage you to say, if the behavior is unacceptable, regardless, everybody should be able to call them out. Hmm. This is a very true story. Um, so a number of years ago, and, and again, I don't know where all the listeners are, but if they're U.S. based and it's primarily Western, Western U.S., In-N-Out Burger, I was at their charity golf tournament one time. If you're not familiar with In-N-Out, it's a very, very, very well-run company. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly quick. They're similar to Chick-fil-A. If you're familiar with the Chick-fil-A brand, prompt, you get what you want. It's quality. It's fresh. It's you know, um, you know, know, not super expensive. In that, I was having... Um, I was playing golf with, with one of their people, and I said, help me understand. I'm going to be a CEO, the COO. Help me understand what it is that, uh, that makes it or not. He says, we understand who we are, and people that don't fit are gone. And it's not up to anyone. It's up to everyone to protect mm-hmm. that culture. That's great. And I so that. I would encourage all of our listeners out there to define what it is that you want to be and allow people permission to say this isn't acceptable. This isn't how we do it around here. Because at the end of the day, it's, it is – Ultimately, Daisy's job to do that at Blender, and it's everyone else's job as well. Because I promise you, the people know that you guys are letting the person off the hook. The rest of the team is talking about it, even when you're not there. Yeah, They know it. And when they see you not deal with it, no different than your kids, they learn and go, oh, that's acceptable. That's acceptable behavior, and that feels good, so I'm going to do that. So I would encourage you, because you, neither one of you guys can always be everywhere at all times. And so you gotta, you got to set what the standard is and then ask the team to hold each other accountable to it. No different than on a sports team. Do you think the offensive line coach sees every single play and sees, every, sees the guard and sees the tackle and sees the center? Or is the center look at the guard and go, dude, you didn't pull the way you were supposed to during that time? Yeah. It wasn't the offensive, offensive line coach or the head coach that had to do that. It was the guy right next to him that said, dude, you screwed me on that one. Help me out. Yeah, true. Yeah, I love it. So true. Well, and, you know, I heard somebody talk about culture is what happens between team members, Mm -hmm. whether you're there or not. And I thought, you know, that's so true because it's the relationship that carries through. And, like, our team was talking about our culture. You know, we have some new team members. And so they were sharing, like, who we are, you know, with them. And I, I loved when they were like, this is just a positive place. Like, everybody brings a lot of positivity. And that's fine. Like I might influence that or Kyle might influence that, but they all 
do that, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, and we receive it too. I mean, and so that was like a really gratifying component, you know? So I love the idea of, you know, them just holding each other accountable as well, you know, around specific behaviors. So I love I mean, it's important. Well, and celebrate it, celebrate it. I would encourage all of us to celebrate it because you know what? Everybody's heard the the argument. You got to, you know, you, you, you got, you know, you repeat the bad things 10 times and you, you know, you only repeat the good things three times. So they need to hear it, you know, five X, the good things that they're doing so that they continue to do those behaviors. Cause they're going to remember the bad, bad times. Cause the lizard brain that we have yeah. says, I'm not going to get eaten by a saber tooth tiger. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta run from that stuff. Yeah. And so they talk about those bad things. So you guys as leaders and the leaders out there need to talk about those things in a positive way to say, to encourage that type of behavior. If that's what you want to continue to continue to happen out there. Yeah, you were talking about parallels between parenting and leadership. Oh my gosh, the two big ones, like being a boy mom, especially, I can't speak to being a mom of girls because I don't have any. So, but a lot of things are exaggerated, especially when your boy's that close in age. And it was two things, catch him doing something right Mm -hmm. all the time. You know what I mean? And that was one of my favorite things to do. It'd be like, hey, I love that. Like, you know, just that encouragement. But then oh my God, you had to nip everything in the bud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's funny because it's exactly what you're talking about, but because boys and then, you know, a tribe of boys, oh my gosh, they got away with anything. They're yes. like, ha ah, it's on. Yep. We won. <laughs> you know? like, yep. And both like the brothers are sitting there watching. So oh, get away with God. this? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was like, uh, the answer is no, you get away with nothing with mom. Nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, just shut down. But it, but it, it only worked because of the, op- you know, because of both, I think. Well, but I would also say that oftentimes people's behaviors are to fill a need. And so trying to understand the need as to Mm. what they're trying to fulfill. Are they fighting with each other because they want mom and dad's attention? Are they going and doing these things because they haven't, they don't feel like they've been recognized? And so oftentimes, and and my wife hates it because she's constantly like, why do you have to keep asking why? Just to punish them and send them to their room. I'm like, but babe, I want to understand why they're fighting. She's like, you're driving me crazy. But but at the end of the day, your team members are doing this for a reason. They're feeling validated. They're feeling encouraged. They're feeling like they're not, their voice isn't being heard, that they have more to offer that the organization's not allowing them an opportunity to. And so figure out what that looks like and then encourage the people that are leading them directly. Why are they doing that? So that, you know, and again, this this team member, um, and I'm not going to say names, ultimately has a drinking problem. This team member that should have been fired, he broke down to me, started crying, as I'm having this conversation, walking around the trade show and asking him why he shouldn't be fired. He admitted to me that he has a drinking problem. And just wasn't getting up in the morning. And wasn't getting up in the morning for the breakfast. Mm. And so now what do I do with that? Right. Because at the end of the day, regardless of whether he's going to have a job or not, this problem is going to perpetuate itself for every single job. He's a 41-year-old man. He needs to fix the problem because that's why his marriage failed. That's why he doesn't have a relationship with his daughter. That's why he's lost his last three jobs. How do I become the catalyst to change his life, whether he stays employed or not? How do I do that? And that, to me, I, I recognized it. Yes, the easy answer would have been to fire him. It truly would have been. The harder answer was to say, are you proud of the behavior that you had? What are you, why are you doing this? Well, I got too drunk last night. I'm sorry. And I overslept my alarm. Okay. Is this something that has perpetuated? It's been like this since I was a kid. My dad was an alcoholic as well. Mm. So think about that. What do you think you might do? Uh, I'm praying about it. Yeah. Um, I'm praying about it. I, I asked him to do write it. you think it. he wants help? I, I know he wants help. I asked uh, him to write me a letter of apology mm. um, and to apologize to his coworkers for the behavior. 
Mm. And I'm waiting for that. Yeah. And once I get that, 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 this that, is fresh, fresh. That, this is literally yeah. in the last 48 hours. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, so I, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure what I'm going to do. I know the business side of me says he doesn't deserve to be employed here based on his behaviors over the last two trade shows. I know the human side of me and the person that cares for him and wants him to fulfill mm -hmm. and be the best husband and be the best dad possible. I know that this is the only place that he has had employment ever that might help him get through this situation. You, you know, wow. um, I don't know <laughs> what I would do in that position because I'm not very tolerant. But um, I've heard might, that before. <laughs> there, this, might, this might be a three strikes you're out. Um, if he's willing to get the help you hired, you mentioned before, um, a drug addict or he, 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 he was raised in a drug addicted home, yes. drug, you know, who spent time in prison and you gave him that chance after he fixed himself. Yep. What a story would it be to give somebody a chance to fix themselves why they're in your presence to see what the other end of that. Oh, I can tell out. you hundreds but, of stories that way, but though, wow. you can't let it go. But one more. The oh, no, I can promise be, you, you know, I, you're almost done now. You're like, Oh, you, you know, this is a two strike uh, <laughs> situation. <is> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're oh. starting with one strike on us. It's a tournament <laughs> game. You know how they <laughs> well, and I pretty much told him and I said yeah. to him, I said, you know, explain to me why I shouldn't let you go right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I got this business. I said, stop talking about business at the end of the day. Yeah. This is a problem, and you know it's a problem. Are you willing to fix it? Because if you're not willing to admit that you've got a problem and fix it, because you're the first person I've ever told about in my life. Oh, wow. Wow. I said, okay, so let's work on it together. Is this something you want to do? At the end of the day, I'll be here to support you as a friend and as a mentor. You might not be an employee, but I'll be here to support you as a friend and a mentor regardless. Well, and it, you're right. I mean, he has to really decide that that's not the lifestyle he wants. Yeah. And it might sound crazy to people, you know, that have never been around that. But, I mean, that is a huge decision that is not self-evident all the time. Yep. No, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Sorry. I know, I know we went super deep. You guys said we'd go, we'd squirrel around. And I this, love oh, it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is, I mean, business is life and life is business. And, and you know, it's it's human interaction and whether you're going, I mean, I don't know. I, I genuinely believe that I get a role as a pastor, as a guider, as a leader within our business to be able to influence people's lives, to be able to make the most of it. And uh, I take that really seriously. I agree. Okay. So what is the thing that you're working on yourself about? You know, like what's the thing like right now that you're focused on, like, you know, the next version of yourself or just anything, you know, I mean, you're bringing all this wisdom. So where is the human side? Where's the human side? What are all my broken parts? Yeah. Just Not ask my wife. That's she, a backdoor way of yeah. asking that. I'm saying, just go ask my wife. She can she get a whole laundry list. <laughs> no, but I'm talking about something that you're up, like working on. on and curious about and, you know, I mean, like enjoying the journey or maybe not enjoying, but, you know, progressing in a journey. Um, my big opportunity is, is, is how to make the biggest impact with the time that I have. Mm. Um, I have a lot to give and I genuinely love what I get to do and I'm, I don't have great boundaries. And so those boundaries end up impacting my energy levels and oftentimes what comes home um, because I get worn out from pouring out to other people. Sure. And so how do I get fulfilled? How do I get myself filled back up? I had a friend of mine um, who I've known since, um, my first or second year in high school, who's still a friend today. And years ago, he would say that if you're all you are is pouring out, 
you know, you take the, the, the idea of a pitcher, but nobody's ever pouring back into you. You're going to be empty and you're not going to have anything to give to anybody else. So make sure that you're being fulfilled. And so how do I do that? It's by creating space for myself. It's hard um, to do. It, yeah. You and I have talked about this. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard because you want to help other people and you see the results and it feels good. It feels good to hear this guy come to the trade show and tell me how awesome it was that I helped him fulfill some passion that he had or to see pictures on Facebook of this <clears throat> this guy who was in prison with his two girls and his wife who I had a really hard conversation with them because they split up. And I said, no, you're not leaving those girls. Go fix it. Go make it right because you are part of the problem. But she this way, I don't care. Stop it. Those girls deserve better. Go fix it. So that to me, but that that takes a lot. And so being disciplined enough to get poured back into with people that care about me, that people that love me, people that will call out the crap in me. It's finding those trusted advisors that will tell me, no, that's not who you are. Stop. Go fix it. And so, you know, making space for that and making time for that because I've, I've let life get ahead of me from time to time. And life's really busy for you right now. Four yeah. kids. One's about to graduate or is. Yeah, he's graduating uh, in, in the next 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah. exciting. Oh my gosh. So, do you yeah, not I mean, think legit. some of um, what you've done for other people and how they've cherished the time you spent with them and that's pouring back into you? I mean, it seems self rewarding the way you talk about it. It um, is. It is. But there's times that you. So for me, um, again, I, I'm pouring myself out a lot. And I sat and coached the entire team that was there. And I love doing it. And it's energizing in the moment. And then I get on an airplane and I'm like exhausted. Yeah. And then I get home and my wife wants to talk and my kids want to chat with me and they want to talk about their college decision. They want to talk about this fight that they had with their girlfriend or, or, or whatever. And I want to make sure that I'm there for them because at the end of the day, I um, made a commitment to myself and, and they say, you and I talked about this earlier this year. Um, I made a commitment to myself that, that I need to go back to my filter. My filter is God, my marriage, my kids, and then my work. Mm-hmm. And when you get those things mixed up in order, you know, it's, it's, it's following what Christ wants for me. And then it's my wife, because at some point you guys are in that stage of your life where the, the boys are gone and now it's just you two. Yep. So I got to make sure that that stays above the kids because you can get so busy with the kids that it's all about who's taking them to this practice, who's getting them to that recital, who's getting them to this school event. You got to make sure that you stay aligned and stay yoked with your wife or your, your husband and then your kids and then, and only then your work. Work is going to take 100% of the time that you give it. Yep. 100% of the time that you give it. There's always another email to respond to. There's always another phone call to take. Another idea. There's always another another idea that you have. There's 100% of it. So prioritizing those things and putting them in an order that you can truly, that's when the alignment happens. And I promise you that's when I'm in God's will and I get energized more so from that than I am otherwise. I mean, I appreciate so much of what you're saying, you know, around that. I mean, the order of the priorities, but also that while it is fulfilling, there does have to be some space, you know, and especially I think it's so challenging, you know, because all the things that you're describing are things that you want to participate in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like these are not things that are easy oh, yes or no decisions, like, nope, I don't have space for you, you know, like where you're like, you want to be fully present. But if you're flat worn out, even on all good things, like, yeah, where's it going to come from? Yeah, especially if it makes you sick. 
Well, so. and, I, and I hope that, I mean, I promise you nobody's going to show up at my funeral and say, I'm so grateful that you went to that trade show. <laughs> right? right? I'm so grateful you did that speaking engagement. Right. Yeah. They're right. going to come back and say, you impacted me because you showed up when my mom was in the hospital mm -hmm. and you sat yeah. with me and talked to me. Or you, you know, and that's, those are the things that I got to be better about saying, saying no for now, at least at this phase of my life. I'm going to have more capacity in five or six years when the kids are all, or most of them are in college. I can wait. You know, um, yeah. the fear of missing out is one thing people, a lot of people have. And I think being a business owner, we look at it as in, if I'm not learning to stay ahead of the game, will I be left behind? Mm -hmm. Where's oh, yeah, this legacy uh, with my company staying in five or 10 years if I'm not out there doing a, giving it 100%? Where do I find that time? If all of a sudden I do take a Friday off when no one else is, did somebody just pass me up? And I think that does sit in the back of our mind subconsciously of why, why we do what we do. Yeah. The few times... Um, especially years ago when I was really, really wrestling with this, you know, where I hadn't really quite gotten to the company from survive to thrive or, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of transition. Every time I decided to make the hard decision, like whether it was pick you and, and it was because we just need to spend time together, not we had a thing to do or somebody needed me and I needed to cancel all the meetings in order to be there. It was amazing. God cleared my calendar every time. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely amazing. There would be an email in my inbox that was like, I need to cancel this meeting. But it was only after I'd made the decision. And it was shocking how much the path would open up. But the thing is, is it was the decision first. It was the priorities first. Mm -hmm. It was the focus and the intentionality first. And then it's surprising what will align sometimes. But it's scary and that, that lie, you know what I mean? Like what you're talking about, like if I don't stay on top of things, I'm going to be left behind. Ooh, that one's so sinister because I can recognize that that one like whispers in the back of my head. And sometimes I don't even realize that's the thing that I'm paying attention to. Well, and for me, I, I don't like letting people down. Mm. And so, um, we were talking about a pre-show. My son happens to be in the baseball playoffs. I was supposed to be on an airplane on Saturday, uh, Friday morning to go to this trade show. They made it to the next round of the playoffs and my son was pitching four and a half hours away. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? And going back to building into your team, they looked at me and said, you are absolutely are going to this game. We've got it, which was awesome. But I still had this nagging feeling of, am I letting my team down? Right. Did I make a commitment that I can't fulfill for this team that's there? And at the end of the day, it worked out fantastically. The team killed it. They were great. He didn't show up late till I was there, which is really ironic. He was on time the other two days that I wasn't there, but um, but he but he was he was obviously late, and that's that's a totally different situation. But I love that 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 the team cared for me enough to say, absolutely, you need to be watching your boy play um, during that time. And the other piece I would suggest to people is just be careful that you don't get caught up in the rat race. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you have to. Mm -hmm. Just because everybody has a podcast doesn't mean you have to. Just because everybody has a YouTube channel doesn't mean you have to. Just because everybody's active on 17 social media platforms and is posting TikToks out in front of the restaurant doesn't mean you have to as a business owner. Do what you do and do it really well because people are going to respect you when, they know, when you know who you are and you know that you're doing these things and they know where you stand. I had a really great compliment yesterday on a, on a call with a vendor. Um, they started with, um, I really appreciate your time. I know how much your family means to you. 
So that got out into the world in a way that I hadn't talked to this lady, but two or three times in my life. Wow. But she saw that my family meant a lot to me. So she, she thanked me and said, I really appreciate the fact that you take time out to spend time with me because I recognize how much your other priorities. So again, that wake that we leave when you set this path oftentimes is, is, is recognized by people well beyond your sphere of influence that you even know. Well, and that's the thing in the work world, we didn't, we don't usually pick the people in work, right? We pick where we live. We pick who we marry. You know, I mean, like God chooses our children because of that decision. You know, we guide and influence the family relationships that we were given. But work, mm, mm-hmm. like even when you're a leader, you don't know who's supplying. <laughs> like, yes. You don't know where they came from. Like you don't know how they found that on Indeed or from a friend or, you know, all these people show up that would not naturally have intersected with your path and you wouldn't have even known to pick them or go where they go. Absolutely. And it's so amazing and profound because the smallest things that we take for granted can be just game changing trajectories in an area we had no idea we could be impacting, which is cool. And it doesn't take a leadership title to do that. I mean, everyone can do that. Well, what's that? I mean, the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is greener where you water it. Like at the end of the day, (laughs) born into your marriage, it's going to be better. Born into your kids, it's going to be better. Born into your team members, it's going to be better. (laughs) At the end of the day, pour into them and it's going to be better. Yes. You know, don't spend so much time screwing around on TikTok. (laughs) Spend time with your team. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. I think that is an amazing place to wrap up because normally my last question is, do you have any encouragement? And I'm like, well, that is a <laughs> mic know. drop encouragement. Hopefully we, we can encourage some people out there to, to, to be the best version of themselves that they can be. Water the grass that you're standing on. Yep, exactly. Take yeah, advantage of the opportunities. Jeremy, this has been amazing. It was definitely worth the wait. So where can people find you? Tell them a little bit about the name of your podcast and like how to find you and follow you. Um, I, pretty easy. Literally just search for my name and you'll find both the podcast and my website and my social media profiles. But the podcast, um, is restauranttechnologyguys.com. So it's relatively easy. If you just search restaurant technology or Jeremy Julian, you'll find it. The company's, um, uh, handles, uh, custombusinesssolutions.com. That's where we solve restaurant technology problems for people and can sell you some software and some service to help you with that. And then uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. Probably LinkedIn is probably my most active um, social media platform. So search for Jeremy Julian and you'll find me there. Love it. And we will link awesome. everything in the show notes. Thank awesome. you, friend, for being on here. Thanks awesome. a Thank lot. You guys. Awesome. Adios. Onward and upward. If you enjoyed this episode of the Corporate Caffeine Podcast, please help us help you by subscribing. I also hope you'll find us on social media. You can follow me, Dacia Coffee, and my company, The Marketing Blender, by searching us on your favorite platform or checking out the show notes for the links. We bring this to you because we envision a business world full of meaning, connection, and prosperity for us all. Until next time, onward and upward.